This feature is brought to you by Essex Ham. You're about to listen to an interview with Pete Waters, one half of Essex-based amateur radio retailer Waters and Stanton. Pete was interviewed on the 10th of February 2014 by Scott Ross on Brentwood's community radio station Phoenix FM. This is Phoenix FM. Right, uh, well now, here in Essex, uh, if you're into amateur radio, there's only uh, one name that stands out, that of uh, Waters and Stanton, who are based in Hockley. And I'm delighted today to be joined by one half of that august company, Peter Waters, who's uh, possibly better known to other amateur radio enthusiasts as G3OJV. So welcome to Phoenix FM, Peter. Thank you, Scott. Uh, first off, I've got to ask you to explain to those uninitiated among, uh, amongst us just what ham radio is all about and how you got involved in, in the first place. Well, I got involved in amateur radio, uh, I suppose, like a lot of people, by accident. I walked into the news agents at the age of 17 and saw a, a magazine there called Shortwave Magazine, which uh, um, was uh, dealing with, uh, amateur, with radio equipment, and I didn't really know much about it, but it looked interesting, so I bought it. And uh, that's really how I started, by reading the magazine. Amateur radio has been going for many years. In fact, amateur radio is really parallel development of, of radio itself. Uh, when uh, budding amateurs wanted to, uh, to experiment with uh, transmissions over short distances. And so it paralleled Marconi's work. And uh, uh, today, uh, amateur radio uh, means that you can operate an amateur radio station in your house um, uh, anywhere in the world, and that, provided that you're allowed to, and that covers most countries. And you set up a small station, you can transmit to, uh, to guys across, the, across the, uh, the road or across the world. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's got a very big following. And how long have you been a, a licensed operator? Ah, well, I was licensed in 1960 at the age of 17. That's uh, showing off. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> 54 years behind no, the microphone. showing off to be able to do it at the age of 17, because in those days it wasn't as easy as it is today. It was a lot more difficult because you had to, uh, by and large, build your own equipment. Yeah, indeed. Now, when did you and Jeff Stanton start up the business, and how did you get started? Well, Jeff and I both worked uh, in the insurance in- industry, and uh, we uh, we actually met up because we ended up in the same company. And uh, Jeff's interest was uh, hi-fi, mine was radio, and uh, we we uh, you know we used to go out for a drink at lunchtime and decided that really and truly we'd got as far as we were going to go in the insurance industry. And uh, I always had a hankering to run my own business, and so we we talked about it, and that's really mm. how it how it got off the ground. And did you start in, in, in hi-fi or ham radio or both? Well, um, my interest was, was always been ham radio, but we, we started uh, really in hi-fi simply because we needed people to come into the shop. So we opened a small shop in Hockley, selling turntables and amplifiers, as they were then. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, were, we were doing a bit of advertising, amateur radio in the, in the magazines. And so I was anxious to get the, the uh, radio side off the ground, and Jeff was uh, anxious to get people in the shop and sell hi-fi to them. So, going on from that, has the coming of the likes of eBay, Amazon and the other online retailers, especially those in in China, forced changes on your business operation now? Oh yeah, very much so. I mean, uh, it's totally different to what it uh, was when we started. Um, the internet has, has changed radically the way retailing goes, and so you have to go with the stream. And so a lot of our business now is uh, is, is, is through the internet. But you still opened a new branch in, in Scotland. I just wondered if that, if, if that made sense, bearing in mind uh, 
as you say, so much more is done. Well, online. yes. I mean, I mean, the two reasons. First of all, um, people in Scotland like to buy from somebody that speaks the same language. Although we speak the same language, so the accent is totally, totally different. And who knows what's going to happen in the next year, <laughs> next <laughs> few months? Um, but uh, uh, Scotland's a very big place, and of course, people like to handle the equipment and try it mm. out. And that's that's what you can't do on the internet. So you do need a presence there. So. Somebody can come in and, and operate the equipment and, and have a look at it. And also talk to somebody face-to-face, a real person. Absolutely, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Now, taking it a stage further, with, with the coming of the internet, do you think that there's still a future for ham radio? Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, ham radio is a, is a communication uh, a system by and large, but it, it, it's very much a hobby, and it, it's the fascination of being able to uh, to build or put together a radio station and talk to people uh, across the world, people that you'd never otherwise talk to, uh, and know that they've got a common interest, ham radio. Hmm. Now, now, I'm old enough to remember the years where immediately after the end of the war, the market was awash with all manner of uh, X-Forces equipment. There were walkie-talkies like 38 sets and uh, larger units like 19 sets, which I only found out the other day were manufactured in South End by Echo. <laughs> That's right. That's right. right. Um, but uh, it, it obviously was a hobby that many schoolboys could uh, take up uh, by buying uh, a lot of this surplus equipment quite cheaply. Uh, but these days, uh, that's no longer the case. The, the, the equipment is so much more complex so how, how do people get involved at a reasonable cost now well first of all i have to say that we've still got 19 sets and 38 sets uh, in, in our museum at, at south end and everybody's in hockley and wants to uh, we're not too busy we'll, we'll show them our collection of, of antique radios um well basically um you, you've got to buy something um but there is there are there are some 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 cheap routes into it obviously second hand is one mm. one way joining a local radio club usually there's some members there that can loan you equipment to, to get you on the air so it doesn't have to be um, an expensive start but of course before you can actually talk to other amateurs you're going to have to get a license and for that you do have to still take an examination albeit it isn't as complicated as it was all those years no. ago so just how difficult is that and how much would you need to budget for well, uh, the examination itself, um, it, it, there's three levels. There's the, the foundation, the intermediate, and the full license. Mm. Um, and if you go for the foundation, uh, the, 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 uh, the foundation license, um, it's, it's, not, it's not costly at all. You can actually do the, the, the examination in a weekend. Um, I would recommend getting in touch with the local radio club. And if you want to know where your local radio club is, get in touch with the Radio Society of Great Britain, RSGB, Google that. Um, and there's a lot of information up there about the local clubs. But a club is probably the best way to start because um, they will guide you through the examination, which is not difficult in the, in the, in the initial stages. You say you could do it in a weekend, but you're not suggesting that you could do the entire course and know the whole thing in, in two days, right? No, no, but I, I, I think um, the, the, the way that most people go is they, they, they start off with their foundation licence, mm. which gives them, gets their, wheat fit, their, their, their feet wet, <laughs> um, and they, start, they, they get a, a, a feeling for how it all works, and you progress from there. And what sort of cost of equipment would they would, would, you, would they need to be looking at in the, in those early days? 
Well, um, thank you, China. We've now got some very cheap radios. Um, you can you can pick up a uh, an FM uh, transmitter for around about fifty or sixty pounds, and uh, even less if you go on the on the second hand market. But as I say, um, clubs will help you. Um, they have they have uh, junk sales, second hand sales, and so forth. So it doesn't have to be costly. But of course, it can run into a lot of money as you progress. Um, and we're not always, of course, talking about youngsters. Um, mm. Amateur radio is very much um, a, a middle-aged or older than that hobby um, people that have uh, people that have, uh, have retired and so forth want to keep in touch want to experiment want to have some fun now i know that these days you've got all kinds of equipment that kind of can take the guesswork out of ham radio by linking your equipment into a computer you can even identify um, potential contacts where you, you can see that your signal's being received even if no one has actually responded and talk via satellites and talk to the space station and goodness is what else but now you really are talking big money are you not well you are but uh, I, I think that when we talk about computers uh, almost every household has got a computer so so that that part of the expense is probably already taken taken care of um, but what about the program you've got to get by the well the pro yes but there's a lot of there is a lot of freeware available now um, on, on uh, so there's a lot of freeware available applications for for radio amateurs so even there it doesn't have to be very costly but all of this gadgetry that you that you now have doesn't it to some way a little way take the fun or the magic out of the original hobby of just being able to talk to somebody simply on the other side of the world well yes um i I, there's a very interesting analogy and that is um fishing the fishing is one of the one of the most popular hobbies um you could go to the local fish shop and buy all the fish you wanted to or buy tropical fish or whatever but people still like the 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 challenge of doing it the hard way uh and amateur radio is really the challenge of talking to people across the world with very simple um very often uh, quite uh, inexpensive equipment some of them build it but it's it's just the challenge of of getting your signals probably uh, sometimes running very low power mm. getting those signals across the world and talking to somebody on some remote island which you probably wouldn't do with your cellular phone because you wouldn't know they were there in the first place right and you you reckon you can do this with uh, i suppose the aerials actually probably one of the most important parts isn't is it not yeah absolutely the aerial is important but there again it doesn't have to be uh, terribly ambitious or complicated um i've got uh, an aerial system which is actually in the uh, attic of my house hmm. house so you wouldn't actually know there's a there's anybody there so it doesn't have to be that ambitious but you're right there are some very ambitious aerial systems um if you've got a lot of land and you've got a bit of money you can put a tower up and goodness knows what Probably get it struck by lightning. Well, well absolutely, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned uh, earlier on that uh, Waters and Stanton had started just just before the high five bubble burst. And in recent years, even the old shortwave listening hobby seems to be dying out more and more because the broadcasters are all switching off their shortwave transmitters and, and moving over to the internet. So in reality, how long do you see ham radio lasting and indeed shortwave listening lasting? And what do you think Waters and Stanton will be concentrating on in 40 years' time? There's a question for you. Well, there we are. <laughs> that, co- that covers a lot of things, doesn't it? I think, first of all, one has to remember that uh, technology today relies an awful lot on, on things like satellites and repeaters, but those could fail. Um, the direct communication from point A to point 
point B with radio is still going to be very, very important. Um, it's still very useful and very, very essential for um, emergency services. Uh, ham radio itself, I think, will continue because I see no reason why it shouldn't continue. It is a hobby. Um, the ability to build, make, uh, and operate some very simple low-powered equipment and talk to like-minded enthusiasts. And, of course, we have contests. We have a lot of contests uh, in amateur radio, which uh, um, is a lot of fun. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot there. Um, we, we, we bounce signals off the moon and so forth. And we're still working in parallel with, with the professionals. There's a lot of fun to be had. And uh, I, there's, there's a lot of comfort, you know, from, from elderly people that uh, are involved in amateur radio. Those that are not so mobile, those that may have some, some ailments, they can sit at home and they can talk to their, their, their friends, um, either across the road, across the town or across the world. That is amateur radio. But at the same time, there's a lot of technology uh, to explore if you've got that sort of mindset and you, you, want, you, you want to have some fun uh, with technology. So you, you've encouraged me to have a look at this. Uh, what should I do? Should I, are there any particular clubs that locally in, in this area that are worthwhile joining? Well, yeah, yes. Uh, I mean, I think Brentwood itself has got a, got a radio club. Uh, Romford has got a club. Um, there's, a, there's, there's a couple in the, in the South End area. Uh, but as I said at the beginning, that probably if you want to get those contact details, go onto the Radio Society of Great Britain's right. website. They've got all the list of the clubs there. Um, and if anybody wants to uh, some more information, they can give us a call down in Hockley and we'll be happy to, uh, to uh, point them in the right direction. Is it just as a matter of interest, do you actually stock any second-hand equipment? Oh, yes, very much so. Yes, we stock a lot of second-hand equipment. Right. Uh, and that is really how people upgrade. They, they bring their, uh, uh, other, their old equipment in and, and, and trade it in for, for new equipment. Mm. And that's where a lot of people start in the hobby. They buy some second-hand equipment. Well, look, Peter, thank you very much indeed for coming in today. Really do appreciate that. And uh, I hope that one or two people out there have been encouraged to uh, have a look at Hammer Radio because it is a lot of fun. Because I was, I, I was encouraged by somebody else that came in here and be interviewed. And, and lo and behold, within, uh, within a year, I had a license. And then I got a, the second, the uh, intermediate. Right. I haven't gone right. for the other one yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll, I'll stick where I am for the time being. Thanks very much indeed for that. Okay, you're welcome. Hitting the headlines first for your area. This is Phoenix FM. Oh, the latest song there from Frank Turner, who's still playing around with his Polaroid pictures. Now, of course, uh, earlier on we were talking uh, to uh, uh, Pete Waters all about uh, ham radio. And a couple of uh, ham radio uh, operators have actually been in the uh, chat room. And uh, uh, that's M6HRT, who's uh, Jacob. And also Essex Ham's uh, Pete Sipple, who's M0PSX. And uh, just for them, let's play a song from David Bowie and Mick Jagger, who are dancing in the street although quite frankly i think at the moment they should be more likely splashing in the street thanks to phoenix fm for permission to distribute this interview you can find waters and stanton at wsplc.com and phoenix fm at phoenixfm.com this feature was brought to you by essex ham supporting amateur radio in essex for more information please go to www.essexham.com dot co dot uk